if I'm not careful, the smell from downstairs is going to have you down there before I, I get done here. Amen. 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 So, a running theme uh, for me as uh, we talk about ministry discipleship um, is being doers of the word and not hearers only. And so, I, I mentioned, I, I made the, I said, the, I gave the term last week about the difference between informational discipleship and obedience-based discipleship. And so um, we've actually had some conversation in our own home a little bit more about this. And as I shared with you, we had a, uh, a time with our family together just talking about that one scripture about blessed are the poor in spirit. But what we did was we said to the kids, um, how does this apply to discipleship? In other words, how do we actually practically live out that scripture in life? What would you do, bring up a scenario of a situation in life, and then how would you, uh, if you were trying to teach somebody how to live closer to God, what would you say? How would you bring this scripture out in that? And so one of the things that we're seeing here in our self-sufficient society and the world we're living is how to be able to do it um, and figure out a way. Um, rather, we got to use technology. Uh, we just got to assert more strength in ourselves. We just got to pull up our bootlaces and make it happen. And that's the world we're living in. And that's the Christianity and the culture that we're around. And we may not even be realizing we're doing it, but really getting inundated with a self-sufficiency um, in things. And when we get good at something, then it all becomes all too easy because I'm good at it. It's what I'm used to. I don't really feel the need for God in it. And I want to remind us of the words that Moses gave to the people as they were preparing to come into the promised land. And he said this. He said, beware when you come into the good land which the Lord your God promised you, that you forget the Lord your God. There should be an atmosphere of an attitude toward God of complete and total dependence. And so as we talked about that, we talked about things in our particular life about the necessity of seeing our own spiritual poverty and our need for God. And today, you know, I could ask here, I could ask how many of you have time that you spend on a normal basis with God. And I do that at home. And I share with, you know, my sons, is part of me provoking this in your life is to call you back to your dependence and attitude of dependence toward God. So I told him, I said, well, what I'll do is I'll just usually, I said, what we need to do is teach this to others. So I said, for you guys, this will probably pop up through the week, and I'll ask you, did you take time for the Lord today? And then did you get anything out of your time with the Lord today? What I'm wanting to emphasize in this is, is that there is a great struggle today in taking what we read in this Bible and applying it in life. And because we're not usually applying what we read in the Bible, we're not growing. We're growing in knowledge, but we're not growing in life. We're not growing in the grace of life. And so we're practically just skipping over it. And so, you know, we were having a conversation about um, inspiring others. And the way we want to do that is, and we talked about the idea of Bible studies. But the problem with Bible studies per se is this. We learn more about the Bible, but nobody keeps us accountable and holds us up to it. 
So it just becomes an informational thing. And it doesn't actually become practical in our life. Where this worked its way out in my life was with my wife, we were having a marriage Bible study. And when we did, in the Bible study, it said you should have a weekly date night or at least a routine date night with your wife. And how many of you that have kids know how difficult that can be, especially when they're young? And so we were struggling to find out how do we have, you know, you add a babysitter to it, and before you know it, you can't financially make the skip to have a date night. But one thing started to become clear to me, and this was that if I don't start investing, I mean investing my money to the point of poverty, if necessary, in my marriage, I'm going to lose the most precious thing God's given me aside from Jesus Christ Himself. So we had the study. They said what to do. Um, Another guy recommended it. Um, There's a few other things that he recommended during that time. But the idea was that you guys are having this together time to draw you closer together. Um, And so movies don't do that, folks. They just don't. We don't get closer together through movies. We have to have interaction and conversation. Well, anyway... Um, the next Bible study fell on the night that we were having as a date night. What do you do with that? If you were to ask me, Pastor, what would you recommend in that scenario? I'd say, have your date night. Please make sure you spend time doing what you studied. Now, we, we, we're not trying to pull you away from, but what we need is a balance. We need a balance of study, and we need a balance of what do we do with this. <clears throat> So in part of this discipleship of greater love that John, uh, that we see in John chapter 15, verses 13, I would like for you to go there with me. We have to begin to ask ourselves, how do we instead of just indoctrinate ourselves about what love is and actually practically carry it out? What I would like to challenge you today with before you leave and as you go throughout your week, I want you to think about ways to love. What's ways that I can love? My wife, my children, the people around me. What's ways that I can love people, even my coworkers? And you know that word usually doesn't go together, love and coworkers. We don't really usually put those two terms together. But the reality is that we need to show love in the way God intended. Obviously not the same way we do for our family and our wife and stuff like that, but we still have to love those around us. And so I want you to think about what's ways that I can show the love of God practically to people around me. If I were just to pause right now and give you that opportunity to think, what is someone? Think of someone. That's the first thing I would say. Think of someone. Right now, let's just take a moment and think of someone in your life. Now, by a show of hands, when you've thought of someone, I'd like to see just a few hands. That way I know you're thinking of someone. (laughs) Now, with that, practically ask yourself the question, what could I do to show them love? Inspire them. Touch them in some way. It may be a gift. It may be a phone call. Hey, I'd like to invite you over. I'd like to spend some time with you. I want to take you out for coffee. And I want to just have some heart to heart. Okay? So now think of something you can do. And I'm not telling you just to think of it as if you're just going to think about it. I'm going to actually try and spawn you on to encourage you to do that this week. Because what I would like to do is, come next week, I would like to ask you what that was like. 
what happened in that situation. We encouraged my son about the idea of we have some neighbors that we left. One of the reasons why it was hard for us to leave the neighborhood we were in is because we had some phenomenal great relationships with our neighbors, non-Christian neighbors. Um, and um, in one way that we kind of reached out back and forth was I saw that my neighbor, it was that he was getting really low on wood and he was still kind of in the middle of the winter. And those of you who've lived here long enough know what I'm talking about. April shows up and winter's not over with. We just got started here. It's like, I can keep on going. And so I'm sure they were thinking, I've probably got enough wood. And I'm thinking, no, you don't. <laughs> and so at one point, he even asked me, he said, could I buy some wood from you? And I said, you certainly could. But I was thinking differently. And I was like, you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see this, the community of believers reach out to them if possible. And I had heard that the Baptist church was actually helping other people in the community with wood. And so I was like, I'd like to get behind that. And then I said, I don't know if you have any left over, but we have a neighbor that could use some wood. And I would like to see them that demonstrated of the love of God behind an act of kindness here. They did. They had like a half a cord or so, maybe a little bit more. They dropped it to the house. She was in tears. It meant so much to her. From that day forward, things were like, we're just back and forth. They're knocking on our door. We're knocking on their door. We're helping. He's have a, his, his uh, vehicle. He's learning mechanics, and I've got a little bit of a feel for that. And so I'm helping him give some tools to him. And the next, he's over climbing my tree and sawing some limbs down for me in where he's good at. What I realized is, is that we're building relationships with people on the basis of, it says, not by our word, but by our deeds. So the deed is what needs to happen. And so, so many of you could probably tell me, I'm already doing that. Like, I've already done that. That's great. I got some things that that's already happening. And I'm like, praise God, because that's what, that's what Jesus is emphasizing. He's not, just don't just say it. Love is not in word. The scripture tells us that, but in deed and in truth. So what we're doing is spawning that good deed, but not just for good deed's sake, but for the sake of promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus says here in John chapter 15, verse 13, you're like, when is he going to get there? Um, we are there. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Pretty simple, right? That there is no greater love than to lay down our life. So here we see an act, not something that's said, but an action of laying down life. And discipleship is not teaching, but practice. So what does it mean to lay down our life? Matthew Henry, in his commentary on this, says, it means in simply body for body, life for life. You're giving your life for their life, essentially. And he said that Jesus did this and he equaled and exceeded all other forms of love by the way that he laid down his life. Jesus equaled and exceeded all other forms of love. I remember when I was in Pennsylvania, there was a guy that was, he was holding up an Ames sign. It was one of the stores that was going out of business in Pennsylvania. And he was on the corner just for the people who were driving by. And... Uh, we were evangelizing and sharing our faith on the streets, and so I was walking up to him. And I don't know, how many of you have been able to share your faith openly with a stranger, like going out on the streets and sharing your faith? How many have, have experienced that? Okay, so we have a few people. That's kind of a scary thing, isn't it? <laughs> like, I'm not sure if I'm good at this. 
so I approached him, and I was trying to think, how do I want to like start this whole thing? And so I actually, I can't remember exactly how I started it, but I remember I got into this point, and I asked him, I said, I have a question for you. What is the... Um, what is the uh, biggest or the greatest expression of love? And so he gave me some ideas, and I said, what about the greatest expression of love is somebody dying for you? Well, he couldn't come up with a better one than that. And so it's laying our life down in that. But what I realized is this, is that before we ever get to the place where I have to literally give my physical body, maybe I give of myself in a way of laying it down for brothers and sisters and others around me. And so um, the idea behind it is that I, you come before me. I'm not putting myself first. I'm putting you before me. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 and 5. Philippians 2, 1 and 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And uh, I also want to look at verse... Actually, no, I'm sorry. Um, 1 through 5. I, I think I said that and I only went to 5. So if therefore, if therefore there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies... Fulfill my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one cord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. In every walk of life, everything you do, you could put this scripture to it and say, that fits to perfect detail what I think God's will is for our life. I am learning to put other people and put them in front of me. Whatever is needed, I try and put that in front of me. If we lived that way in our world today, we would see major differences in what we're looking at right now. And so, one of the things I want to bring into this thought here is because when we do this, when we live a life of putting others in front of us, we call it a self-denial, but I've seen something get in the way of that. and it's, but we, we get into a place where it feels like it's too much of a sacrifice. Why? I'm just going to say this. Why does it feel like it's a sacrifice to put somebody in front of us? What gets in the way of it? I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's that you don't get loved back. You don't get the treatment that you feel like, I'm going to be kind and give to you. Why do you treat me so awful? And it doesn't take long before when we get to that place that I can't keep doing this. I can't keep trying to figure out how to put you in front of me when you won't even acknowledge me. You won't be there for me. So at some point, obviously I think these broken relationships, we see people who talk themselves down. The idea is that you, I, I like this, um, it was, I think it was by C.S. Lewis, he said, it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Do you understand where that, there's so many people that they think so little of themselves. I know that environment, I know what it's like to be depressed, and feel like I'm nothing, I'm a nobody. 
because I feel like I need love. But what's hard for me is when you feel like you need love and you look at this scripture, it's not talking about the love you need, but the love you give. And at some point in my life, I begin to realize that the essence of love is not so much about receiving, but more about giving. And so what I have found is, is that if I felt like I was lacking love, that I learned to give it, and then I felt loved. And because the difference was this, it wasn't just that I gave it to somebody, but I learned to return it back to God. God was the one who loved me in those moments. And so sometimes we have to get over that feeling of, I feel like I'm, and it's how we talk little of ourselves when things aren't going well. And I just want to say this, something is wrong if selfless behavior feels more like slave labor. And there's joy in not having to get something out of it for myself. Now, I want to talk about this in, in this form of the body of Christ. That as we mature in our love for God, we will mature in our love for one another. That you won't be able to love me without me loving you back. You won't be able to do good to me in Christ without me responding well to that. That's the church that God's calling. And so when I'm talking about discipleship, we're discipling those of us who are Christian to be faithful toward one another. And this is an area where Jesus is talking about greater love. I had talked about love in the sense of the people that are outside of the church at one point. That's a decided discipleship. But what about the people that are inside the church? What not just the people that are inside the church, but those who are truly a part of the body of Christ? Number one, do we find people that are Christians that are not living the Christian life? Yes. But do we love them anyway? Absolutely. We love them because part of the gospel, and it is that in our strength, we learn to yield and help others come up. So if you're falling short and you're a mess, I'm going to try and step in on the scene and help bring you up to what Jesus died for, to preserve inside of you. I'm not just going to let you die off. And the problem with that is this. It's too easily to be, it's too easy to be offended by people who are not living for Jesus. It's too easy. Even in our Christian homes, we know that. We're like, uh-oh, the worst is on display sometimes in our own home. But why are we with each other? Because we realize the gospel commits us beyond human frailty. The reason by, why is that so is because if God looked at it the way we look at it, we'd like, you know what, sorry, sweetheart, I just, you know, or she looks at me, she's sorry, you're your worst today. You know, you're, you're having an issue today. And what I would, I'd have to go back to and think, well, what if Jesus looked at me like that? I wouldn't have the hope of forgiveness because I was much more of a monster to my Lord than my wife or that she, I've ever been to her. So we realize that it also goes that way, but we also know something else about it. My relationships with people at work. I see sometimes people are so easily drawn to conflict. And why am I not? Because I have a sense of the peace of the gospel in the midst of it. I don't have to take it personally. I don't have to be offended by what you said, even if it's to me. Because I don't look at it like that. I just look at it that there's a point of weakness. Now think of it, I guess, if you want to think of it like this, somebody got stabbed in the leg. What are they going to do? They're going to hobble along and drag that leg along. And so when they get stabbed in the leg, you're taking what has been the pain of the offense that they've dealt with. You're dealing with the pain of something that they're struggling with and they're lashing out at you. Remember, it's not about you. 
That's the real issue here. It really hasn't not much to do. It's the pain. It's the struggle. It's the emotional struggle that they're going through. And you just happen to be in line with the thing that they fire at. But they're not really intending it on you. Most of the time, I'm realizing that. So as we hear guys from the work situation and they're having a problem, a situation is happening. Well, what I notice is this. If I stop and say, so what's the issue? The issue is I keep having to do the same thing over and over again. And, and it doesn't matter how many times I do it. I just don't like the lack of efficiency. But then they start yelling and screaming and firing off, and it feels like they're aiming it at you. But the reality is they're just upset with what's going on at work, and you're getting the lashings. If we learn not to take that to heart and we surrender to the Lord in it, you can be a part of the peace that God brings down in that situation. Again, learning to love the way God wants us to love. In uh, one, one other thing I want to express in this, because I think it's super important, every true expression of love has an act of voluntary self-denial involved in it. I'm, it's not just self-denial, but voluntary self-denial. I chose to take the blows. I chose to receive whatever it is or to help out in, in this area of life. Remember the story in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel verse uh, chapter 23, verses 15 and 17. I'm just going to give you the story. The story was that David and his men, he had three what they called mighty men of valor. And these three men went, David had said, if only I could just have a drink of the water from um, Bethlehem. And these three men went themselves through the enemy's lines, and they went and got the water and brought it to David. What David did with that water is he took it and he poured it out, and he said, Lord, I can't do that for men who hazarded their lives. I can't drink this because of what they gave in this. These men voluntarily put their life at risk to get for David a simple glass of water. And I think that that's phenomenal because David's reaction to that was, I can't lightly... I can't lightly take this water. I can't even drink it because of the sacrifice these men have made. And I believe it was Leonard Ravenhill, and I can't give you all the full details, but he tells this story, and I believe it was a woman who was gonna, wanted to go see the queen. And I don't know if it was the queen of England or what queen exactly. Like I said, I lost some of the details. But one thing that was really unique about the story is that she was pregnant. But not only that that makes this story unique is the fact that she had to go over... Uh, rigorous, rugged mountains in order to get there. And it was, I think, five to seven day journey for her to get there. And she was due. Ladies, would you take, <laughs> would you take up that course in life? I, just, <laughs> I, know, I get the feeling that there's not a woman in this place that I'm willing to do that. But she did this and she walked that course. She had her baby in the middle of this journey. And it was, I believe it was just a few hours later after she had had the baby that she actually continued the journey until she went and found that person. And she had, when she finally got there, there was just a little gift. I can't remember what it was, but it was fairly meager. But the story was this, that part of the gift was the cost of the journey itself. You understand that sometimes people don't give us something that looks like of the, the thing itself is of value, but it's the, it's the cost that they gave behind it. And so we see that in the story of David and his men, the cost that they had as sacrifice there. What bothers me today is this, and I think it's American culture. It doesn't cost us anything to be a Christian here. 
It doesn't cost us a dime. We can live very easy. But the words that Jesus gave to the rich and the poor were words of sacrifice when he called for. So when I remember a few weeks ago the sermon and I talked about Jesus had said that if you are going to be my disciple, that you would hate your wife and your mother and your brother. It's like, wow, those are very strong words. That was a call of sacrifice. But it was a call of deep love for God as well. And then he said, and he didn't stop there, he said that you're also going to take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me to be my disciple. That's commitment. And the last one was, he said, you're going to forsake everything you have and sell it and give it to the poor and then you'll be my disciple. All three of those things that are not easy, they're costly, they're very difficult. But what we, we have to come to the realization of, whether we are in a society where everything is easy, or if we're in Afghanistan where we're being hunted for our faith, we have to realize the value of Jesus Christ Himself. You have to realize how small our physical life is compared to the vastness and the greatness of Jesus Christ Himself. Because He's the value. You know, over and over again, I hear people say, we're discovering who we are in Christ. And there's this, this itch and this craving to find out who I am. And I'm going to say this over and over again. I think you're going to fall short trying to figure out who you are, what you're all about, what's my character traits, what do I love, what do I like, and all of that. And, and we have so many different ways of analyzing our personality to the place that when we're done, we don't even know our own personality. This is what I think I am. But really the idea behind it is this. If we just get one thing in picture, my whole focus, tunnel vision for Jesus, I just want to know Him. I want to examine for Him for who He is. I want that all of my heart is expressing in honor to Him who He is. So, Lord, I'm not going to blame You for the circumstances that I'm in. I'm not going to let the riches of the world or success cloud the view of who I really am in life. I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. But Jesus, You're everything. And when we get that, we don't have the pride of accomplishment and how we can puff ourselves up and how much bigger than I am than so-and-so, how I'm recognized on the job when nobody else is. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if I'm the least advised or the least cared for. All I see is that Jesus is the one that's in focus. And the reason why that's important is because the more we look to Christ in it, you're not offended because people don't think of you, and you're not lifted high because of what people say about you. In all things, you're realizing that Jesus is the focus here. And why is this important? Because in all of our human relationships, especially with the church, we are not going to do very well at working with one another and loving each other well if we can't get past ourselves. I'm going to say it one more time. We will never get good at loving one another if we cannot get past ourselves ourselves. And this is of such huge concern. And I find myself, and folks, if we just get down to level and we talk about it, 
This happens in marriage so frequently. This happens in my relationship with my wife. I incidentally, you know, I'm like, I get so busy-minded, and she's like, this is the common complaint at home, but usually the common complaint is we just like you to be here at home. We'd like to have you here. And I'm like, that's great. Like, I believe that because I need to be at home. But I feel so tied down, honey. I feel so tied down because I got a job, and I got to provide for my home, and every day that I'm not working... And I'm just lounging at home. That's less money at home. And I said, this is, the, this is the struggle for men today. The struggle is that no matter which, which one we go is, we know we're going to be making a sacrifice one or the other. And it's always going to land back on our family. You're not going to have the money or you're just not going to have my time. But one way or another, I'm sacrificing. And, and so what we relate toward one another oftentimes is we feel like, in a sense, and I've got caught in that. The argument is I felt like my wife was saying it doesn't matter on the other end, what you have to do. This is all that matters. And that's not what she's saying at all. But that's how I'm receiving it. Why? Because I'm caught up in myself. It's about me. I want to make sure. The other day, we had something going on, and I realized, why am I so frustrated? What's bothering me? And I realized what it was. I didn't feel like I was heard all the way. I didn't feel like it got understood what I wanted from my angle. It's all about me again. And so it kind of hit me was, the problem with that is, is it's our, this is where we live. And it kind of hit me in the grand scope of things. What does it really matter? It wasn't that big of a deal anyway. And I, I see that this is the level that we get caught up in. Why am I saying this? Because I think this happens in a church. You know, we're like, I just felt like <clears throat> I wanted to be heard and and my brother and my sister didn't listen to me. Caught up in ourself again. And when we learn it's about Jesus, we learn to lay that down. Let go of it. And then we stop. We don't just let go of that, but we say, you know what? Let me do one other thing. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to hear you. And, you know, it was really funny because uh, when Mike and Michelle were here, she had said something. It was hilarious. She we were uh, we were thinking about going to visit a friend at a reception, a mutual friend, and she had made this statement. She's like, "I'm not sure if if I should go." And I, I had this thought, you know. And we knew each other. You know, you're good friends when you all you know what the other person is thinking without them saying it. But there was that code again. Remember, I told you about the code. And she did this one thing, and I, I said, I asked her this question. I said, "Do you afraid that you're going to crash the party?" And she said, "Yeah." Or no, I said, you're afraid you're going to, you're, you're, uh, they, they don't want you there for some reason. And I was like, she said, yeah. I was like, so she, and then she mentioned, I feel like I was going to crash the party. And I told her, I said, Michelle, and those of you who know her, do you really think you can crash a party? Do you really think you're capable of doing that? Like, I don't think that's even a part of it. I mean, you could take one of the glass and throw it on the floor and it could smash and you will have never crashed their party because you can't get yourself in a place to do that. And I was laughing, but what I was realizing is this. There's something about the Spirit of God that helps us look deeper into one another's lives. And we begin to catch things. And now it's, I'm beginning to realize some of that struggle. And one of the, the things that kind of I laughed about was this. That again, it happened later on, and, and she was warming up some coffee, and, and Micah had come in to get some coffee, and he had, and there was not a whole lot left. And I, was, and I was thinking about having coffee, and she invited me to have it. And I was like, okay, I'll take some coffee. 
But then I thought, wait a second. If I do that, she just warmed it up. She won't get any coffee. This Christian humility thing really gets complicated sometimes. So you won't get any coffee. So I asked her the question. I said, well, have you had coffee? And she said, no, go ahead, go ahead. And she wouldn't answer. And I said, well, that's not the question. And so what I knew was she was trying to put somebody else in front of her. But I was also trying to do the same thing. I was like, you made it. You warmed it up. You ought to be drinking it before I get a taste of it. And so this reality starts to hit me and dawn on me. When we start to live the love relationship that Jesus intended, we put each other first, and then we get on the opposite side of, you're doing the humble thing, and I'm doing the humble thing, and we're both trying to serve one another mutually. Mutually serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's to me what Jesus meant when He was saying, you lay your life down. You put your life in front. The problem in our world is it's not mutual. It's not mutual. How many of us know what I'm talking about? You're not trying to love me like I'm trying to love you. We're struggling in this love thing. But that's what Jesus wanted to do through His Spirit was drive us together. But we're going to have to look at the commitment and the sacrifice. I'm going to say a couple things here in this. Is that we say, I say it's not a sacrifice to love my brother or sister. It is worth any sacrifice to love my brother or my sister. Secondly, commitment shows that you are worth far more than my preferences and personal interests. I'm committed beyond my preferences and personal interests. Commitment is dying today. I just, you know, I have to say that. It's so hard to get commitment today. Uh, how many of you work in jobs where the employer says you can't find people who want to work? I hear it all the time. But I think it's really, I can't find people who are committed to work. They're going to stay the course. And so what I want to do is, and I'll probably visit the rest of this message at some other point because I could preach for quite a while. I want to, uh, I want to encourage commitment to the body of Christ. I want to encourage that commitment to the body of Christ. I don't care if they're connected to this church or not. If they are a brother or a sister, find a way to commit yourself to them. And you know what? Listen. I'm just going to give one piece of really good information. Ask somebody, how are you doing? And listen to what they say. And don't settle for just that they said, I'm doing fine. Really pry in and get a little bit more and find a little bit more information about their life. Not to get an area of gospel, not to know more, because you want to be helpful, because we want to be helpful in their life, one way or another. And when you know something about that, folks, we're not going to let people die off. And I'm going to say one more story, because this is where it got really sobering for me, it got really sobering. We knew a couple, not here in Enterprise or in this area, so you can't pick anybody out, okay? Nobody can be picked out. I knew a guy who was affiliated with a congregation, and he was... He was a strong believer, the best I could tell. But something got in the way of their relationship and in his marriage. Nobody had spent the time with him individually. And it's the aftermath that catches you of what I should have done, right? And so um, in this situation is 
um, eventually what ended up happening was he cheated on his wife. After that had happened, then it didn't take long for us to come to the place of watching their marriage fall to pieces. Watching it crumble in the dust. And what caught me with that was this. Was that I could have been there. We could have asked. We could have said, here, let me be a sounding board to what are the problems in your life. And we could have caught that early on. But we waited as a church. We waited as a church. And we waited. And because everything looked good on the outside, everything looked like it was good on the outside, we didn't press and find out because we loved. And we watched it fall to pieces. And that was a hard awakener for me because then I saw other things occur as a result of it. And I can't get into the details. That's how personal it is. But I can tell you it was devastating. And what's really devastating is this, is that you watch people walk away from their faith and almost never return. Some of them, they don't. They totally walk away for their... And so that's the bigger the bigger obstacle. And kids get caught in the middle of it in families. Well, that's happening in churches today. Because in a sense, we're kind of married toward one another in Christ. And we're breaking up over differences and hardnesses of opinion. And we need that love for one another that says, you know what, I'm going to bear with you. And I told you guys a while back, and I'm going to do this as confidently as I can. You're going to have to prove to me that you have a problem with me. That there's any issue there. You're going to have to prove it to me. And I'm not going to let somebody share with me your opinions, and I'm going to stand on that. I'm going to promise you with all my heart, God, give me the grace, but I'm not going to let this church be broken up because of my apprehension and fear and, and the feelings of what you might say. And I don't even want all the struggles of self-confidence and all the way it get in the way of that. I'm going to trust that even with my doubt of my own confidence, that I'm going to trust that your heart for me is good. And I'm going to keep, I'm going to go to war with that. I believe the church needs to fight for unity. I mean, we need to go to battle for unity. I mean, when we find something, a brother is struggling, if it's a personal offense especially, I'm just going to say, you need to get back to that place. Lord, I implore you on my knees. God, I'm going to have mercy on my brother. He's offended me, but I'm going to have mercy. God, he's thrown stones at me. He's said things about me. He's slandered me. She slandered me. But I am going to get on my knees and Lord, I'm humbling myself and I'm going to love him anyway. God, I'm not going to let that offense build between the two of us. I am going to bat for him. I'm going to see this through. I'm going to humble myself until he gets to the place of repentance. I want to take the blows, Lord, for the sake of seeing his soul restored. This is greater love. I'm laying my life down. You can throw the stones, but I'm not stopping. I'm not dying here. I'm going to keep on going and finding the grace of God to keep me strong at every insult. And that's a hard thing to do, and that's not a human thing. But it's a divine thing. It's something God works in our life. And we must pray, God, keep the church together. And you're looking at the world right now. And I've heard people say, COVID is destroying the church. The church is the church. It's just revealing what, what level we're going to love one another. It really is. I'm not going to follow through with this because easy offenses, because there's little sacrifices will drive us away. But when it means we have to put our life on the line and you mean something to me, 
When you mean something to me, I'm going to bleed for you. I'll tell you one of the hardest things you'll ever face if you ever taste, taste, get a touch of ministry on your life is to watch somebody that you prayed for, that you bled for, that you gave yourself sacrificially for day in and day out to see their life restored and then watch them walk away from you. That's hard business. But the, you know what the next hard business is? I'm going to love you anyway. You walked away and I'm going to still give gifts and I'm still going to pray and I'm going to still do what I can and I'm not going to be the pushy guy. You know what I mean? I don't want to be that guy who's like, would you just leave me alone for a little while? I'm going to give you some space, but I'm also going to make sure that that space doesn't tell you. Listen to me. I'm going to make sure that that space doesn't tell you that I've lost heart for you. I don't want that to happen. And that's what's happening today. We just let relationships die off. And we need to be encouraged. Encouraged to take that bold step to start those relationships over again. And sacrifice. If there's anything that's a deep call to that sacrifice that Jesus made Himself for us. And it says to us, consider Him. When you're thinking that this is too hard for you, consider Him and what His struggle was and His cross and to encourage yourself to go deeper with God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, I'm not going to go any further. I'm just going to stop there because I think we got the message, right? I think the message is clear. But it's part of discipleship, loving one another. And I guess what I'm struggling with is that if we're not careful, we just let shouts, the, the, the idea of love be so shallow. It's sacrificial. Man, it hits your heart. It penetrates. And it's deep. And the struggle is deep. But learning to love through those deep struggles, God's going to do some miraculous things through that and recover our lives even in our marriages. I don't know what you guys are going through. Not all of it. I know some things, but I don't know all of it. But you do. And I want you to be encouraged by the Lord's call to Himself in this. Because honestly, there's only one way this is going to work. And that is if you find that this is a, this is a call to embrace God. Embrace Jesus Christ in a way that I've never done before. And you know what? Part of embracing Him is with tears. It's just part of it. There's no way around that. Like, I'm going to embrace the Lord even with tears. And God's got good things for us in it. Amazing things. You know, there's nothing in the Bible. You look at the Bible, there's nothing that says it's going to be an easy road. It just says that it's the sure road. It's the best road. you got Jesus. That's the sure road. Father, I want to thank you today, Lord. Father, today that we get the opportunity to really press in today, God. And Lord, I do love, I love what you're doing in this church I love the people here, God. I love how relationships are coming together, Lord. I love having an open home so that you know, people can come into that, Lord, and inviting them just to be a part of fellowship, not just on a potluck Sunday, but be a part of fellowship in our life. We dearly, Lord, want to invest ourselves, not as a minister, but as a brother in the Lord. I want to, I want to invest myself in all of my brothers and sisters in some way. And God, I pray that that is mutually shared with them as well. That God, that we're learning. Oh Lord, we're learning in this broken world that we're living in how to come through Christ and love one another well. And so Father, thank You, Jesus, as You're perfecting that in our lives. None of us have got it figured out, Lord. In so many ways, we feel like we're far beneath the call of God in our lives to love. But Jesus, thank You for the encouragement today. And Lord, so much to see faithfulness, Lord, 
And, and Lord, in many ways, I don't get to hear it, but Lord, you get to, you know it, Lord, and you know what's going on in every individual life. But I pray, Lord, through these struggles, God, that we're learning how to overcome and be more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not because we believe it in our heads, but because it's been a part of our life and it's so real to us that, God, your strength in us enables us to do things that we couldn't do. And so, God, I'm asking for grace today. Lord, I'm asking for grace today to melt us. Lord, to start things over in our lives, but I'm praying for grace. For grace, Lord. And thank you, Jesus. You're so faithful. Lord, when there is a cry for you, Lord, you're so faithful to meet that need. And we love you, Lord. So love you today that you're taking those things that were meant for our destruction and turning them around for amazing testimonies. And that's powerful, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. So God, as we begin to just take this time together, Lord, and for those of us who stay back to the potluck, and I pray everybody that, Lord, that there will be a blessing in our fellowship and time together. And thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us together, Lord, in deeper ways. And I pray this week for everybody with that challenge, that they, that person they thought of, and that thing that they thought that they could do for them, that every one of them will go about it and do it, Lord, heartily as unto you. And Jesus, I pray that this will happen over and over again, and that we'll hear so many testimonies, God, so many testimonies from that. And we love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to give uh, the worship team and uh, the opportunity to come up here and just bless us one more time.